Today is my favorite of this four-week series on carols. And that's because today we get to, we get to study about the single most amazing promise God ever made. And God made some cool promises. But in my opinion, this is the coolest, bestest, most amazing promise. And it's captured in the lyrics of this song, O Come, Emmanuel. So history on that song. It's believed, and we really don't know, but it's believed that the lyrics to this song date all the way back to somewhere between the 8th and the 12th century. If you don't know when that was, just trust me, it's a really, 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 really long time ago. Long time ago. During this era in church history, they would sing or chant phrases that started with the letter O. And they became known as the O antiphons. I had no idea what an antiphon was. I had to look it up. And so I thought I'd share the definition with you. It says it's a short sentence sung or recited before or after a psalm. All right? So the antiphons from that era are, in fact, a collage of Old Testament images of the coming Messiah. Their predominant theme stresses the hope of the coming of the Savior. So, so I want you to imagine, like put yourself back in the 8th or ninth or 10th century and you're in this massive, cool, gothic cathedral kind of thing, right? And, and it's prayer time. And someone is reading from God's holy book and they're reading one of the Psalms that promises that there is one day coming a Savior, the one, the Messiah, the Christ. And, and as they finished reading that psalm, the entire church together begins, begins to chant and they begin to sing. O come, O come, Emmanuel. So I'm going to stretch you out of your comfort zone. You realize that I just did something on stage I never do in public. And I'm sorry if that hurt your ears because I do not sing well. But there is something about singing it together. There is a power. There is a power in praying to God together. And this was like their prayer. So just pretend I just read you a psalm about the coming Messiah. And then together, would you just like two or three times, would you, would you sing that with me? O come, O come, Emmanuel. O come, O come, Emmanuel. You guys sound amazing. You make me sound good, and that's hard to do. The entire message this morning is going to revolve around that one word, Emmanuel. So, so we're going to start this morning, for those of you that are going there with me in your electronic Bible, or if you would open your paper Bible to the book of Matthew, right in chapter 1 in the book of Matthew. And we're going to learn about a couple of things that were going on in the lives of Joseph and Mary just prior to the birth of Jesus. Matthew 1 at 18. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to end the engagement 
quickly and quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. And here's the message of the day, which means God is with us. God is with us. So I want to put that into perspective, both for Joseph, if you put yourself into his mind, and for the nation of Israel, what just happened. So I need you to remember, they, they, would, they would know the Old Testament like the back of their hand. It was required reading in school. Remember, we talked about that in this series. Not only required reading, they memorized the Old Testament. That still freaks me out. I've been, well, I've had the pleasure of, of inviting God into my life about 19 years ago, and I studied the Bible a lot, and I love to read it, and I ain't even close to memorizing it. These kids just freak me out how good they are. Well, Joseph would have known that as the angel came to him in a dream... This is what Isaiah prophesied about 740 years ago. I can imagine that Isaiah 714 just flashed before his eyes. The Lord himself is going to give you a sign. The virgin will conceive a child. She's going to give birth to a son. They'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And in his mind, in his heart, he had to be going, Oh my God, that's going to happen. And I get a front row seat the news itself i mean think about it would be mind-numbing but then consider consider what they knew about god and what happens when god and humans occupy the same physical space it usually does not go well for the human right i mean the example that they would have would be moses and, and they would know that Moses in the Old Testament, when, when he was up on the mountain and God came by, Moses had to hide his face. It's like nobody can experience the full-on, holy presence of God and live. They, they would know as they practiced their faith tradition, right, that once a year, the high priest got to go in and hang out with God in the temple, and, and they would tie a rope to his leg, and he would go in and he would hang out with God. And the reason they tied the rope on his leg is that if he died, they had to have a way to get him out. Because nobody could go in and get him, and he'd be in there like rotting and stinking and stuff. And, but if they went in, they would die too. God is going to be with us. Joseph is literally going to be with God, the God that is about to walk among us. No longer is God going to be this, this distant spirit that only speaks through the prophets of old. God is going to be here with us. Think about that. Just like in the days of Adam and Eve, 
when God first created the heavens and the earth and human beings and they got to walk together, that time is coming again right now. And it's going to happen through the son that Mary's going to have. They longed for the day that they could have that one-on-one, no kidding, personal relationship with God again, right? And that's, that's why it's so important with Christianity is to realize that Christianity is not a religion. There is absolutely nothing about this and about us that is about religion. Christianity is about a personal, no kidding relationship with a personal, no kidding, all-loving, all-powerful, all-amazing God. It's all about relationship. Relationship has just been reimagined, and it's about to be reinvented, that relationship with God. And that's why I call it the best news ever. You believe that? See, see, part of the problem with this, when, when we're taught that God, the God of the universe, that God created all this kind of stuff, walks among us, it is really, really hard for us to wrap our minds around. So much so that many of us don't believe it. Some of us don't believe it because, quite frankly, some of us, statistically in this room, don't even believe there is a God. And so why would you believe God is with us if you don't even believe there's a God? And I get that. I get that. And it's okay. That just happens to be where you're at right now. I was there. I would love to bring you where I am now. And, and I'm glad that you're here because, because we can introduce you to Jesus, God with us. And then God through His Holy Spirit can help you embrace Him. Now, others of us don't believe that either. and We're Christians. When I say God is with you, some of you have a hard time believing it because some of you, you just don't, you ever had that, I just don't feel God right now. I just, I just don't feel Him. I just don't, I don't feel His presence. I don't feel His love. I'm just not feeling it. Especially at this time of year. There is something about Christmas. It's like the great magnifier, right? The cool, amazing, joyful, wonderful, miraculous things in our lives. Though they're even more joyful and more miraculous and more cool and more wonderful at Christmas time because it's the great magnifier. But the reality is that the struggles and the challenges and the hardships, well, they get magnified at Christmas time too. And they seem a little tougher than maybe at other times of the year. Um, Because of that, it's kind of hard to believe sometimes God is with us. Some of you don't feel like God is with you right now because there's an empty space in your heart. And that's because there's going to be an empty chair at your table this Christmas that wasn't empty last year. And it stinks. It does. Someone, probably more than one someone in this room is facing difficult news about a health issue or job loss or marriage. And when I say God is with you with this big smile because I believe it, you don't necessarily believe it. 
Because you're saying, where's God in this? How, how could God be in the midst of this pain? I shouldn't even be feeling the pain if God is, is here. God is with me? Someone here is having a hard time believing God is with you because you've done something. You think you've done something that is so incredibly shameful that God wouldn't want to be with you. And you think in your head, I'm so ashamed of me, I don't want to be with me. Why the heck would God want to be with me? Our goal this morning, as we talk about Emmanuel, God with us, with the help of the Holy Spirit, who is here, by the way, with the help of God's Holy Spirit, I pray that when you walk out of here today, you will know beyond any doubt that God is, that God was, that God will always be with us in the moment, amen, in every circumstance. He is Emmanuel. And I think if you can grab hold of that truth, if you can internalize it in the very core of your being, life will never be the same again. And I mean life in a good way. What if, what if every time you faced a life challenge, or what if you were facing a really good but scary opportunity? I mean, those, those things happen, right? We all face challenges. Sometimes we're given these good, scary opportunities, like things that take a great risk, a leap of faith, and yet, isn't it scary? Scary to walk through those times. What if... You believed in the core of your being that God is in every one of those moments, in every one of the tragedies, in every one of the good, scary opportunities. What if you believed that God cares about each of those moments and how they impact you in your life? How would it change the way that you embrace either challenges or opportunities? I want you to think about Mary for a minute. Mary that's about to have... <laughs> The Son of God is her first son. How would you like to be son number two? You could never measure up, right? <laughs> and there was son number... Anyway, she's a teenager, for crying out loud. A teenager. Imagine being a teenage girl, and you get a visit from an angel as described in the book of Luke in chapter 1 and verse 28. Gabriel comes to her. And says, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. She is about to learn about some of the most challenging, crazy things that are going to happen in her future. The cool thing about God is that he starts it out by saying, okay, there's this news I'm going to give you. But let me start by saying you are not alone. The Lord is with you. All right. He went on to tell her she was going to have that son a very special son, that she was going to conceive that son in a very unconventional way. And he was going to be the savior of the world. It was probably a scary thought. I hope it was a scary good thought. I know it would be scary. But the angel said, the Lord, the Lord is with you. I wonder if she would remember that visit from Gabriel. 
when she had to face her future husband and tell him she was pregnant and the baby's not yours. Talk about a scary moment. I'm guessing you've faced scary situations in your life. I think we all have. You face scary situations all alone. That's hard, isn't it? But my guess is you've also faced some scary situations, but you did not face them alone. Can you think back at a time in your life where you faced a really, really tough, challenging, scary time, but you got to face it with your dad? And, and maybe for some of us it wasn't a dad, but somebody else that you have that kind of, of trust and, and confidence in. It, isn't it so much better to be able to walk that road side by side with your dad? One of my baby girls is facing in this moment really tough, really scary Situation, And I, I cannot share details with you. If you knew details, you would know just how incredibly scary and hard this is going to be. There's something that she's going to have to do in the next few months that is beyond unpleasant. And you know, as a dad, all you want to do is take it away, right? I just want to fix it for you. I'm the dad. I'm supposed to be able to make everything better. But I can't. This is something that only she can do. I can't do it for her. The cool part is that she invited me to walk it with her. She, she told me, Daddy, I can't face this alone, but I can do it if you're with me. And then she's got an incredible husband that is going to walk with her as well. And she's going to be okay. It's all going to be Okay, and that makes me feel really cool as a dad, that she has that kind of faith and trust and confidence in me. But more than that, even if I wasn't there, what I would like her to know above everything else, that she's never alone anyway. Because God promised, I'm with you, always, and to the end of the age. Emmanuel, God is with you. Here's the deal. It applies to her and it applies to every Jesus follower on the planet. The God who created the universe, the all-knowing, all-power, ever-present God, that God is with you and that changes everything. When you're lost, God's with you when you're lost and He's going to be the guide. When you're hurting and feeling all alone, you're never really alone because God is right there in the moment. When you're in the middle of a trial, God's there to be your comforter. If you're sick, He's the great healer. When you're weak, God's your strength. If you're lost in sin and so ashamed you think you're unloved, the God of the universe has already forgiven you and loves you more desperately than you can possibly imagine. God is with us in every moment of every day, of every circumstance, every tragedy, and every great, scary opportunity. God is with you. 
Sometimes it's hard to believe, but I can guarantee you that it's true. In those times where it's hard to believe that God is with you, one of the things I would encourage you, encourage all of us to do, is to remember the times in your past where God was with you then. You see, often God is easier to see in the rearview mirror than he is in the moment. Often God is easier to see in the rearview mirror than he is in the crisis, in the tragedy. When you don't feel him. When you don't feel him and you can't see him, take a look look in the rearview mirror and remind yourself the times that he was there through your last tragedy. Think about Joseph. The story of Joseph, it's in the book of Genesis if you've never read it. Joseph was a punk, truly a punk. And he aggravated the heck out of his brothers to the point where they wanted to kill him. Then they almost did. Well, instead of killing him, they threw him in a cistern. And they left him for dead. And they felt kind of guilty about that. So they went back and they pulled him out and they said, Joseph is... No, they sold him into slavery. They, 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 they didn't want him part of the family. So he almost gets beat to death and he almost dies of exposure. Then he gets sold into slavery. And he, fortunately, he gets to a place where he's serving in his master's home and he does well and he's starting to rise up and really be prominent in the family. Then he gets falsely accused of a crime. He did not commit the crime, but he still got convicted and thrown into jail. Can you imagine in Joseph's life, he might have been going, where is God in this? I'm kind of not feeling them. Over time, over time, Joseph rises to prominence in all of Egypt. And if you know the story, he convinces Egypt to store away a whole bunch of food because he knows there's a famine coming, there's a drought coming. Save up for a rainy day, or in this case, a not-so-rainy day. And because of that, all Israel had food to eat because he was able to feed not only the Egyptians, but the leftovers he was able to feed Israel, and here's the moral of the story. He was never alone. God was with him the entire time, and it was God's plan all along to use all of these circumstances, to orchestrate all of these circumstances so that Israel might be saved. In Genesis at 39, the key for his whole life story, while Joseph was in prison, the Lord was with him. The Lord didn't, I mean, the warden didn't pay any attention to anything going on. Why? Because the Lord was with them. He was prosperous because the Lord was with them. That's a Bible story. It's a true story. But maybe the more impactful story is the one that you've lived. Can you look back at times in your life where you, without question, can see the hand of Almighty God as He moved the chess pieces of your life. I have tons. And I would share all of them with you. The miracles that God did to start us, there's just so many different things, but I want to share with you one of the most recent times where the hand of God was so evident in our lives that it's absolutely unmistakable. Some of you know Winnie and I took in a five-week-old infant in January of 2015. Circumstances were not good with his birth parents. And hopefully behind me is a picture of Calvin James. Yeah, I, okay, true confessions, right? So when he brings him home that first night after 
the people at Child Protective Services said, can you take this baby home and watch him for a while because I can't send him home with anybody else. And of course, she says yes, and she calls me on the phone. Hey, honey, bringing home a baby. Like, it wasn't immaculate conception, but it was close, right? Okay. And she brings him in the house. And, and I lift, you know how there's the low covers because it's cold outside and you want to. And I lift it up and I looked and I went, he's not cute. I swear to God, those were my first words. Calvin, I'm sorry. Well, he got cuter. This wasn't our first rodeo. It wasn't our first time down this path. Ten years earlier, Winnie and I had a similar occurrence where a one-year-old and a 12-year-old needed someone to care for him. And they came into our home, and we kept him for a while. And a while turned into a while longer. And then we adopted him, and they became our babies. So we're not new to this situation. It wasn't the first time we got that call. But here's the difference. At that time in our lives, I was 58. She was 56. He's five weeks old. Do the math still going to be breathing when the kid gets out of high school, right? So our very first thing, no kidding, very first thing, that night we prayed. And, and here's how that prayer went. I remember my exact words. As my wife and I are holding hands and Calvin James is sitting there in his little thingy, whatever you, yeah. <laughs> and we, we prayed and my first words are, what are you thinking? I swear to God, it's exactly what I said. What are you thinking? But we prayed and we believed. I swear, we believed God was with us and God must have his hand on this baby. He wouldn't be in our home. He wouldn't be being protected from the situation he had at home if God's hand wasn't on his life. I believe with all my heart that God brought that baby into our home because he needed to protect that baby from some potential disaster. Well, we wondered, is this long-term? See, we knew the home situation, and we knew the biological parents, and we were confident that he would never go back home and that he was going to need some forever parents. And so we began to think, and we began to talk, and my daughter Aubrey and I began to think and began to talk, and suddenly a couple of names came to our mind that, it might be possible that, well, that they need a baby. Um, one of the other cool things about this situation is we realized that as the only blood relatives who had said, yes, we'll hang on to him, that gave us great power. Um, they told us if we weren't going to adopt him and be his forever family, that we had the power to choose that family. And so we began to think, who could that be? Well, at the very same time, unbeknownst to me, um, my son-in-law's dad, he's over at Desi's house. Desiree is extended family, Josh and Desi, very close extended family. Like, we love them like they're our own. And Johnny walks in, he says, not going to believe this, Pat and Winnie get another baby. Now, I talked to her about this, and she asked if I would share this with you because her very, very first reaction was, well, they should just bring him here. We'll take care of him. And she said in that moment, she just kind of knew 
I think this is God's plan. You see, Joshua and Des have been married for 10 years and have been trusting God for a baby. And they had some opportunities that didn't work out. So we invited them over to meet Calvin. And you should have seen it. The bond happened so fast. And then it was coming over for an afternoon. After a while, it was an overnight. They helped us parent this little man for 15 months. Lived in our home. We prayed, and we believed that God intended them to be his parents. Now, if you've ever been involved in this kind of a situation, you know that it's complex, right? This kind of adoption is not a slam dunk kind of scenario. There's all kinds of things that can happen to derail the process, and God continued to open doors and close doors and move chess pieces, and it was really, it was really magical to watch him in action. We actually had to petition the Cherokee Nation because he has Cherokee bloodlines and they had to approve that this baby could be adopted by a non-Indian family. There were so many different hoops we had to jump through. Well, in March of 2017, we asked the courts to appoint Josh and Desi as his full-time legal guardians and they agreed. And it was both one of the most joyful and one of the most difficult Moments in my life to hand off that little man, but I knew it was God's plan. I knew and I had seen his hand upon it, and that made it okay because God was in it and God was with us. And then this picture is just one month ago when Josh and Desi, by the order of the court, became his legal mom and dad at the adoption. Yeah. Yeah. Josh and Des are here today, and if you want, you can meet Calvin James after the service. We look back at God's fingerprints being all over a situation. And that's one of our stories. That's one of the things that gives me incredible confidence that the next thing that Winnie and I go through, God is going to be there right in the middle of it. I know it because he's proven he's been there for us in the past. What's your story? When is the time that you can remember God being so clearly involved in your lives that the next time you face a situation, you'll know God is going to be with you? Because that's where this is all going. It's for you and I to have that no kidding certainty that God is in our future. God is with us now. God was with us in the past. But I'm telling you that life is going to be different if you can know with great certainty that God is in your futures, right? Let me loop back to the beginning. Let's talk about Mary. Remember, Gabriel promised her, the Lord is with you. And at the time she received that promise, she didn't know that she would see her baby born under extreme conditions. No midwife, no hospital, no epidural, no bed, nothing. She didn't know she was going to be forced to flee with her son to Egypt because a mad king wanted him dead. She didn't know that her baby boy would perform miracles and show compassion and raise the dead. 
She didn't know he would face an extreme hardship throughout his entire life. And she didn't know then that she would bear witness to his torture, a brutal death. She didn't know when God said, the Lord is with you, that she was going to have to bury her son. Something no parent should ever have to do. The one thing she would know, the one thing she can have complete confidence in, God is with you through every one of those moments. See, the point is, no matter what our futures hold, you are going to face some extreme joys in your future because that's how life goes. You are going to face some difficult moments, some tragedies, because that's how life in this broken world goes. The only thing we can be certain of, God is with us. Hands down, my favorite passage of the promise that God will always be with us comes in the book of Romans in chapter 8. Verses 35, then 37 through 39. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry, destitute, in danger, threatened with death? No. But we think that. We think it means God doesn't love us when we go through a bad time. But the reality is he loves you all the time. And he may even love you more in the midst of the pain. I don't know that that's possible. Paul says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, either our fears for today or our worries of tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I, I would love for you to, like, like take that home, to, to like, bury it in your, in your heart, to have access to that promise of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And God doesn't make promises that he can't keep. You will never be alone. Nothing can separate you. Not your fears. Not your doubts. Not your insecurities. Not a divorce. Not what that horrible person did to you. None of that can ever separate you from the love of God. Found in Christ Jesus. Nothing, 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 ever. He is, he was, and he always will be with us. I can't think of a better way to end this topic of God with us than to ask a question 
And it's a question that deserves an honest answer. It's a question that each one of us can only answer for ourselves. Emmanuel, God with us. But are you with God? That's the question you need to answer. Are you with God? I look back 19 years ago and I was not. Didn't believe in him. Was absolutely positively hostile towards him. I was not with God. Some of you here today may be where I was. Can I just say that God is here. He loves you. He wants to be with you. But see, the thing about our God is He's not going to be with you and He's not going to force Himself into your life. He's a gentleman. He's only going to be with you if you invite Him. That's how He works. Others Others here today, you've been churched your entire lives. But are you with God? Have you been going through the motions? Checking the box. I go to church because that's my duty. That's what people do. You need to understand that religious activity can't replace relationship. God can be with you. Are you with God? him some people especially this time of year well you make sure to hit church Christmas and Easter and somehow think checking that box makes you with him are you with him way to know for sure is to see if your life reflects an ongoing intimate love relationship with God. See, you'll know when you go to church because you want to worship God with other people who want to worship God. You come because it's your desire, not because it's your duty. You'll, you'll know when you serve in some kind of ministry of your church as if you're serving the God that you're madly in love with not because you've been guilted into being in the nursery this week. You'll know if when you give, you give joyfully and with desire to invest in whatever God's doing and thinking somehow it'll get you in God's good graces. You'll know if you pray to God because you truly desire to have a conversation with him. Not because he's the big genie in the sky that can grant stuff. Are you with God? Ask yourself that question and answer it honestly. Am I with God? Am I committed to God? Have I ever invited him to be my Lord, my Savior? Am I with God? And if you're not, then I will tell you, it is no accident that you are here in this room today with a message that says, Emmanuel, God is with us and wants more than anything to be with you. It is no accident 
The Spirit of God is nudging you right now and saying, this is your time, this is your day. I'm here and I want to be with you and I simply need you to say, I want you to be with me. We're just going to pray. Those of you that are with God and God is with you, you're going to help me pray for those who are trying to figure out if they want God to be with them, if they want Jesus to be their Lord and their Savior, if they want to experience the joy of being in the family of God. And if you're who I was 19 years ago, I want to tell you God's real and He loves you more deeply than you can possibly imagine. And there is nothing He wants more than for you to want Him. Let's pray. Oh, dear God, I just thank you first and foremost for the blessing of your Son, for the reality of His coming to be with us, Emmanuel, God with us. I thank you that He came knowing that He would suffer and die a brutal death on a cross that he would take the sin of the world, my sin, my sin, he would take on himself and he would pay for it, that he would be buried and that you would resurrect him from the dead and forgiveness would happen. Lord, I want you to make yourself real to me today. I believe you're real. I believe you're with us. I know that I've made mistakes. I want your forgiveness. I want your son. Lead me for the rest of my life. Pray that in Jesus. Amen.